Uh, two of them are not with us. Sarah and Lucas, 10 and 8 years old. And we have Hugo, who is with us, who is 5 years old. My father and mother-in-law begged that we would let the kids stay for the last days in the States. They, so they're, they're in Michigan with my mother and father-in-law. Uh, very grateful for you guys. Uh, I, there's no doubt in my mind that you love missions. Uh, as soon as you step into the building, you can see it. And uh, really grateful for your faithfulness. Do you have any questions about the work in Spain? Yes, sir. Um, so the Catholic, uh, culture, in my opinion, facilitates the preaching of the gospel because you actually have common ground. So I, I always go back to the main question to me is always what's more important to you, the scriptures or tradition. And uh, once I answer that question, I can then go somewhere with it. So it's, it's like evangelism. It's it's very. It's, I think it's pretty easy because there there's a lot of common ground. Yeah. Anybody else? It's a good question. No more questions. Good. That means I gave you plenty of information. Um, I don't think I'm. Am I, I don't think I'm missing anything important. Um, uh, so if something comes up to your mind after the service, uh, you feel free to ask us. We have prayer cards in the back, and you're the last stop, so just take them all. <laughs> take them. We don't want to bring any, any back to, to Michigan. Um, and do pray for us. We are supposed to get on a flight on Wednesday, and uh, there's a lot of restrictions still because of COVID, and we have to do a bunch of tests before we fly. So pray that everything goes smoothly. And that we'll be able to get on that plane. I'm, I'm mentioning to get back. Uh, I'm not against one-year furloughs, but I don't think I could survive a one-year furlough. Like I've been here for two months, and I'm dying to get back. And uh, but the time here's been sweet. It's been good. We hadn't seen Rebecca's family in three years or so, so it's been really productive, and we're grateful to also re- reconnect with churches like like you. We'll be in Matthew 16 tonight, and. Um, Make sure my, my watch is right here. Looks like it just died and stopped. All right, don't want to go over your usual time. So Matthew 16, I'll give you the, I'll, we'll read this text, and then I'm going I'm to go to the book of Acts. And the, the thought tonight is that Christ builds his church. My aim is to encourage you. My aim is to remind you of this truth because it's something that we easily forget. And um, it's easy to listen to all the voices that tell us that the church is in in danger of of ceasing to exist. It's easy to to hear the reports that uh, make us feel like Christianity may someday die. And I just want to encourage you tonight and tell you that the Lord will build His church. That is a sure thing. So we can confidently continue to preach the gospel. We can confidently carry on uh, in spite of all those voices and all of the discouragement. We can look at the word of God and say uh, that Christ will build his church. So let's read that in Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, 
And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, I praise you. Thank you for this church. I pray for your, your blessing on them. I pray that you continue to use them to bless the missionaries, to bless the nations. I pray that they will uh, carry on under the conviction that Christ will build his church. Holy Spirit, I pray that you work through your word, uh, that uh, it won't, will not be my voice, but your voice that penetrates the heart, Lord, of your congregation. Please work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is a very well-known verse. Christ is talking to, to Peter, and he's saying something that was going to happen. He says, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What we see, first of all, is that who builds his church? Christ builds his church. I am replaceable. Pastor Tensus is replaceable. The only one that's not replaceable is Christ, and he's not going away. He will build his church. He builds his church. The church is his. It's not ours. So we build his church according to his instructions, upon the preaching of the word, upon, uh, upon, uh, through faithful proclamation of the gospel. Christ builds his church. It's his. It's not ours. He builds it. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does this mean? We're not in danger of extinction. We will not be defeated because we are Christ's church. doesn't matter what comes from the opposition. Christ's church uh, carries, carries on. Christ's church will prevail. And so these are good news that encourage us to not quit, not give up to be optimistic about the future of the church, uh, to not be pessimistic, because Christ will build his church. I've seen this in Spain. I've seen, what I've, show, what I've shown you is Christ building his church. It's not me. It's not any secret recipe. It's the Lord, by his grace, building his church. So, we read this text, and it, it provides a framework for how we think about the mission. Uh, it, it provides the confidence that prevents us from quitting, from giving up. We remember that this is Christ's church, that he will build it, and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then I take you to Acts chapter 12, and I want to show you how this happens in a really, really captivating way. So, Acts chapter 12, we, really the book of Acts provides the foundation of, of how the church was started and how the ch- church was being built. If you start in Acts chapter 1, you see in verse 8 that very, very famous passage that says, uh, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We see that, and that happens. And the gospel goes from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. But as the gospel goes through the, to the ends of the earth, the church grows to the ends of the earth. You see, uh, in, for example, in the book of Romans, that Paul wanted to go to the end of the world with the gospel. Spain, that was the end of the world in their mind. And the gospel gets to Spain, 
and the gospel comes here. So Christ, uh, the, the, the promise of Acts 1.8 uh, comes, comes to be. But we see how that happens in Acts 12, uh, throughout the book of Acts. And in Acts 12, we see this in a really interesting way. So if you look at verse 3 of, chap- of Acts um, 12, it says, And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. So Herod has, killed, has had James killed. The Jews are pleased. Now he wants Peter killed. Okay, Remember, who did Christ give this, this truth to about the building of the church? To Peter. And now Peter is uh, taken captive by, uh, by Herod. He's in prison. In verse 5 it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So the church exists. Right here. Peter's in jail. The church is praying. Verse 6. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Keep that in mind. Where's Peter? In prison. Surrounded, surrounded by uh, guards, right? So what is the church doing in the meantime? Well, they're having a prayer meeting. You remember this famous prayer meeting? They're praying for Peter. And then if you look at verse, uh, if you look at verse, um, verse 6, it says that when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So there's that prayer meeting, right? And then verse 13, And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when he, she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. So, Peter is delivered from the prison. He gets to the prayer meeting. He gets to, to the congregation. And what's amazing about this is that the congregation doesn't believe that Peter is free. That's really interesting. You're praying, God answers, you don't believe it. So we're reminded again that it's not about our power or our ability to pray well. It's about just the Lord working uh, through us in His mercy and His grace. It's not about the power of the church's prayer. It's about the power of the God that's listening to the church's prayer. And Peter is delivered. They don't believe it. There he is. Now, in verse 18, and now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers 
what was become of Peter. There's no struggle here. Peter's literally ushered out in a very calm way from those prison guards, from those prison cells. We see once again the Lord over his opposition. There's no competition here. It's not God trying to win. God has won. God is, God is almighty, more powerful than anybody that stands in his way. Peter's, uh, Peter's let go. He's free. And in verse 19 it says, And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. Whose life was in danger? Peter's. Who ends up dying? Huh. Ironic, isn't it? So, we get to verse 20. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but they came with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain, their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Who, whose life was in danger? Peter's. Who ends up dying? Herod. Christ will build his church. Verse 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Do you see the irony in the text? Powerful, powerful, powerful men is trying to put down the flame of the gospel. And the, those people that want to put down the flame of the gospel, that want to kill the leaders of the church, end up dead. The guards, the king, dead. There he was on his throne. Once again, there's no struggle. Peter doesn't come out with a sword and slays the king. No, the king's on his throne. And he dies like that. That is the God we serve. That's why when we read that Christ will build his church, we believe it. And in confidence, we carry forth and we continue preaching the gospel, knowing that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Now, for some, persecution leads to death. But that doesn't mean that the gospel doesn't grow. For some, opposition leads to difficulty. Prison. Sickness. Persecution. But the gospel is not in danger. So whether it be through seasons of calmness, or seasons of persecution, or seasons of difficulty, the gospel will continue to grow. Christ's church will be built. I've seen this in Spain. Time and time again. I'll show you the picture of that lady. We're getting baptized. Her name's Carmen. 65 years old, more or less, in that picture. Maybe a little younger. When I met her, back in like 2013 or so, I would go visit her mother, who's an elderly, elderly saint that comes to, came to our church. And um, she would tell me to my face in the living room, I was born Catholic. I will die Catholic. You're never going to convince me. A couple years later, she gets cancer, and the church is moved to compassion. We're making visits. We're going to go see her. We're loving her. We're praying for her. 
the Lord heals her from the cancer. And she starts coming with us to the gypsy community just to be kind to people in her mind. But while she's being kind to people, she's hearing the gospel preached. And one Sunday, I go to pick up her mother to take her to church like I did every Sunday. And it's not her mother, but it's Carmen. And I say, Carmen, I'm going to, I'm going to go to church today. My mom's going to stay home. And I said, you're going to come to church? I'm going to church. I'll talk to you in the car about it. On the, on the ride to the car, she tells me, I believe what you believe now. Um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I tried to take my life. She had tried to do this several times. And when I grabbed my purse to look for the, what I needed to take my life, I found a Bible and started reading the book of John and came to the realization that I, I believe what you preach. Christ building his church. Story after story of men and women that were against God, that seem unreachable, and that God saves, that God reaches. We had another guy that uh, came to me and told me that, uh, well, he came a random Sunday, and we said, well, how how'd you, how'd you find us? Oh, I, I found you through Google, of, of course, okay. So he, he comes to church, and he meets with my brother in between the week, and they go through the, the book of Romans, and he actually gets saved right then, right, at that, at that meeting. But what was really ironic to me is that I asked them later on, once I have some more trust with them, I said, but really, like, what's, you're, you were, like, wealthy, healthy, religious, like, what created this thirst in you to look for a church? Because he was, like, a member of a, like, he was a faithful attender of the Catholic Church. Like, what made you want to look for something new? He says, actually, it's really weird, but it all begun one day during siesta. You know what, who know, you guys know what siesta is? Yeah? You had one today, didn't you? He says, I was just watching television during siesta time, and I was watching a show that was mocking the rapture. And that really scared me. I I had never heard of, of Christ coming. I had never heard of the Lord returning. So I just started Googling about it, and I found your church. And decided to go and get to know more about what you guys believe. Once again, mocking the Lord's return leads to somebody looking for the truth. So when I say that Christ builds his church, Christ builds his church. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter the place in the world. Doesn't matter the opposition. Where the gospel is preached, God saves. God builds. So what does that mean for you? August 14th, 2022. It means that you should be preaching the gospel. Don't stop. Don't quit. Because Christ will build his church. I don't know if you've ever worked on any home projects and included your kids. Really, you're doing the work. But the kids get to have a part. Maybe they're just handing you the tools. Maybe they're just going in to grab a glass of water. But they have a part. And it's kind of the same thing. (laughs) We're not powerful. This, the secret is not in us. It is the Holy Spirit through His church, through the pro- proclamation of the gospel. That's simple. And God will save. And God will build. So this week as you go to work, 
as you go to school, as you go to college, as you just do your life here in Eden, Ohio, be faithful in preaching the gospel, knowing that you're doing something that big picture is grand and beautiful. One day, Revelation, people from every tongue, tribe, nation, worshiping the real king, not the one that was sitting on that throne, but the one that struck down that king, Jesus. People from Uganda will be there. People from Eden, Ohio will be there. People from Sevilla, Spain will be there. What a beautiful picture. Don't you want to have a part? So let's, let's go. Let's preach. Let's continue to give, to pray, knowing that Christ will build his church. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It encourages me every time I read it, and I hope it encourages the church. I pray, dear Lord, that, uh, Holy Spirit, you will uh, just drive this truth deeper to our hearts. May it go beyond the ears and into our hearts, and may we see change. May we see optimistic proclamation, preaching, service, ministry, until you are done with us. Lord, we pray in the name of the real King, Jesus Christ. Amen.